Hello, my name is Sabrina Kuhn Godfrey. I'm running at large for the Board of Education, making sure all students have quality, accessible, and equitable education is my priority. It would be an honor to serve our community as a member of the board. Vote Sabrina Kuhn Godfrey for BOE during early voting or on primary day, May 17th. Paid for by Sabrina Kuhn Godfrey for BOE. You got a franchise player. team partner, the mayor of Danville, Virginia, Ryan Stone. Ryan, have you recovered yet from uh, having Petey Pablo up in the booth with you? <laughs> yeah, I've recovered. What a what a fun night Saturday night was. Our our first uh, Cobras broadcast. Uh, the game was a lot of fun. Having Petey Pablo on was a lot of fun. It, it was a good night. Yeah, it was real nice of him to come up to the second level and sit down with you and uh, – you, he got he got in some very good lines, man. Uh, it was a it was just a good night. Yeah, he, he was a funny guy. We got some uh, we got some pictures, um, and uh, you know, it just a uh, just a great way to start the season for the Cobras. We're going to be back in there tomorrow night. Cobras facing the Jacksonville Sharks. Airtime seven p.m. on WWBG. Kickoff seven fifteen. Guys, bring the kids. Yeah. Yeah, there were a ton of people in line after the game on the field getting autographs. Were you surprised at that? I mean, I know you saw it when you split. There were a ton of people out there. Yeah, I mean, there. You know, I thought you know, it was a pretty good crowd uh, for the uh, for the first game Saturday night. I mean, also, I mean, they're good. Uh, like it's yeah, it's it, it's it's an entertaining uh, entertaining product. And I'll say this: I mean, if you've watched it on TV before, and that's kind of like your discouragement to not go. It's totally different in per. It's one of those sports. It's totally different in person than it is on TV. It is way better uh, in person. It's kind of like playoff hockey. Yeah, I, as far as it being I, better in purpose. I would probably say hockey. I mean, I, I haven't been to an NHL game, but I would probably just venture to guess. I haven't. I haven't been to a Canes game yet. I need to go, but I, I would just venture to guess that hockey in general is just better in person than it is on TV. Yeah, I mean it's it's unbelievable, unbelievable. So tomorrow night, the two and O Carolina Cobras against the Jacksonville Sharks again, seven p.m. airtime, and then kickoff is at seven fifteen. Got a good show for you today. Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated, Deacons Illustrated, will be going to, is going to join us on the program. He's going to give his thoughts on how the transition of power is going on over in Durham, as well as. Uh, Maybe talk about some roster turnover for both the Devils and Wake Forest. But first, my partner's got me watching the NBA, which is something. And and I'm going to tell you right now, Ryan, I'm loving the old school physicality. Say, how, you can't tell me you're not enjoying this postseason. Like, it's been I'm really good. It. I'm <laughs> loving it, especially the Memphis series. And um, I stayed up too late last night watching Phoenix. But the physicality reminds me a lot of Detroit versus Boston in in both games. But I'm enjoying it to a point. So we're just out here injuring folks. (laughs) And Luke is about a game away from snapping on somebody. He may not. He might. It might be a shorter timeline than that. Well, the good news for Luke is he's heading home uh, for the next two games. Uh, So he won't. (laughs) He won't have fans uh, chirping at him the way they have been in. in Phoenix, 
Um, and I, I mean, yeah, the Desmond play, the Desmond Bain play was dirty. Uh, or not Desmond Bain, uh, Dylan Brooks. Desmond Bain wouldn't do that clown stuff. It, it, Dylan Brooks would. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, that, that was a dirty play. I don't think there's any way to, like, slice it. Like, I heard Skip Bayless trying to argue against it being a dirty play the other day, and it's just like, come on, man. Like, he, there's no play on the ball there. Like, he he made it look like he was trying to make a play on the ball and whacked him in the head. Like, there, there, was, no, there was no argument, valid argument there that it wasn't a dirty play. One reason that I like the NBA playoffs so much, because when I – usually this is my NBA watching schedule. I will watch the first two weeks of the Hornets. Yep. And then I'll fall off because they'll fall off. Okay? And then when the playoffs pick up, I will pick a couple of series to watch, and I'll watch, you know, I'll watch the playoffs pretty much straight through. Um, and one of the reasons I like it is the fact that the referees do let things go. Yep. And but I think I would really, really like them to be a little bit more consistent. And I, th- I feel like we've said that a lot in every sport you and I cover this year. But I, I don't like, you know, the game one of Golden State Memphis. It seemed like every call was going Memphis's way and they still couldn't get it done. Game two was completely different. It's just odd to me. Is this normal? Um, <laughs> I think like. It is normal. I mean, it's normal to an extent, I think, especially if Scott Foster is involved. Um, it is normal to an extent, but I don't think there hasn't really been that I can think of a game that I felt like the officials changed the outcome yet. Um, and I think that's a, that's a good thing. Uh, I, I also think like as we've progressed in social media and everybody analyzes everything in real time, I I just think the officials are more scrutinized than they've ever been. And things are pointed out more than they used to be. Um, So I think that's part of it. I think, you know, some of it's just officials are human. Um, They make mistakes. So I I don't think like – I, I get it. I mean, everybody wants more consistency, but at the same time, nobody wants that job. No, <laughs> not at all. Here's the other thing. Like, there's a lot of focus on the fans trying to get in Luca's head, but didn't Wednesday night, didn't Luca go for 30 some? Oh, I mean, he, you can't get in Luca Doncic's head. Like, no. that, dude, that dude is, I mean, he's a top 10 player in the league. Like, and he, he brings it every night. The Mavericks, the Mavs problem is they he just needs help. Like they've got some decent pieces around him, but they don't really have and Jalen Brunson is capable of going off occasionally. Uh, but they just don't have anybody that can consistently help him carry the load. And that's something the Mavs like Jason Kidd has got to go to Mark Cuban this offseason and say, look, we gotta stop wasting this guy's career. Right. <laughs> we gotta get we got to make a move. We gotta go get a Bradley Beal. Or somebody. <laughs> now on the other bench, Father Time is not there because Chris Paul, Chris Paul on on Wednesday night, took over the fourth quarter. Like, yeah, I, I mean, wonder man, he he, he was just fantastic. Well, he, he has a game that is made to age gracefully. Like he's the opposite of Russell Westbrook. <laughs> like like Russell Westbrook was all explosion, never a great shooter, never really 
became a good shooter in the NBA. Chris Paul like mastered the mid range, and that's like that's how you age gracefully in the NBA and understanding you know how to create space and how to get by people and being a distributor. So I mean, his game is made for it, and they also I mean he's got two young stars around him. Like Devin Booker is at this point a superstar, I feel like. Um, and De- DeAndre Ayton is a really good young player. I mean, they've got good pieces in Cam, like Jay Crowder, who's a great veteran. Uh, young guys like Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson, who make at JaVale McGee, even, who has turned into a solid veteran in the NBA, which I would never have thought I would have said five years ago. Uh, same um, thing for Bismack Biombo. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, so they've just got – Phoenix has built that team really well. Yeah, I, mean, I think Bismack Biombo is one of those guys who has embraced his role as the, the off-the-bench veteran. They might have to realign the uh, Phoenix rims because he's just standing down there creating <laughs> space for himself and waiting on the on the outlet pass. He gets it, and he dunks it. Yep. Uh, I mean, they 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 – they're easily, I think, the favorite right now to win it all. Um, and mainly just because I think they've got the they've got the easiest path. I mean, Luca doesn't have help; like he can't do. But so they might win a game in Dallas and make it go five. Um, but you know, Golden State and Memphis, I think, are going to wear each other out. So I think <laughs> Phoenix is going to be well rested and have home court for whoever they get of those two teams. And then, you know, the East right now is, is like, it looks like the heat are going to have a pretty easy time moving on, but with them beat out, but that Celtics buck series is going to be long. And then that heat and whoever they play series will be a longer series. So uh, I think the, <laughs> the Suns are, are pretty well positioned to, to get back and this time hold the trophy up at the end. Yeah, and I think that's got, that'll be great for you know our his fans, Chris Paul's fans here in the triad. But I, I think also just viewers of the NBA, especially the casual fans like me, um, this is going to be an enjoyable rest of the playoffs because of you know the fact that the Celtics and the Bucks are going to be in a battle. Yep. And I, I'm assuming Miami's going to play Philadelphia, right? They already are no, playing. They already are. My bad. Yeah. See, that's I'm not watching that. That should be because of Bam. <laughs> but my, watch- yeah, but Miami's already up 2-0, and like Embiid hasn't played yet, and they aren't sure when Embiid's going to be able to play. I I will say this about the Sixers. Um, I don't, and you know this. I don't know this, but I like the uniforms that they wore Wednesday night that had the the colors from the old Spectrum. I love that. Yeah, that's not a bad. It's not a. It's. It's not a terrible uniform, but at the same time, like they have some of the best uniforms in NBA history to me, and I, I feel like they should never deviate from that. But Kinda that's like just, the Celtics. Yeah, yeah, the Lakers too. Yeah. Um, like they, they're one of the like iconic franchises, so I feel like they should kind of stick with. And I, they're not a bad look in terms of deviation. Like, like I don't know what the Suns are doing. The Suns are way too good to be wearing those ugly jerseys they're wearing. Uh, like, um, like just go back to like what Barkley wore or what they wore in the seventies. Like those were way better than what they're currently wearing. Yeah, switching gears for a little bit, the NFL draft has come and gone, and once again, Mister Hope is a strategy. The boss man, our producer <laughs> Desmond Johnson, 
is all about on Twitter even, and I hope you bookmark those tweets because I did. I'm glad you did. I didn't. Yeah. When he talks, when he talks about his team, I, I kind of just. And and now he's doing it with a lot more confidence because he happened to be right about Hubert Davis and the Tar Heels. But um, let let a couple of things there. You know, Desmond went online. If you follow Desmond Tobacco at Tobacco Road on Twitter, he said, "I'm not lying. The Panthers can win the division." Which they Did can't. The Buccaneers change divisions. Did the Saints? Does he not see the Saints' defense? Yeah. I, so, <laughs> so you got they, they, they will be lucky to finish third in the division. <laughs> and and let's not you know all kudos in the world to Hubert Davis. We have said this over and over and over again. But Hubert Davis did not inherit the Forsyth Tech basketball team. No. He he inherited the UNC Tar Heels. And he took a, and but he did he elevated them in fairness. He did elevate them, but it's still a new GM improving sales at a Cadillac dealership. Or if better yet, a Honda dealership. Okay. Okay. And increasing sales of the most popular car in the world by ten percent. So you've already got the inventory is what I'm saying. Yeah. So hope as a strategy still isn't there. Well, they also, I mean, they just don't have a quarterback. Like <laughs> they don't have a quarterback that's going to like win them anything. And like, I don't think their weapons are as good as he and Panthers fans seem to think. Like you can't depend on McCaffrey. Like DJ Moore is really good. Uh, Robbie Anderson, who was against the Baker Mayfield idea of adding Baker Mayfield, uh, couldn't catch a cold last year, regardless who the quarterback was. Sure. Uh, I, I don't know. The, the weapons are, they're okay, but they're not, they're not the saints weapons. They're not the Bucks weapons. Hell, they're, they're not the, the Falcons weapons. No, and I'm going to take it a step further, and I, I think I've said this quite a few times. If you look at traditional winning, anybody who's been average to winners in the NFL over the last, who knows, 20, 30 years, they've got a solid front office. You cannot tell yeah. me that the front office in Carolina is solid. Now, no. Desmond, does, Desmond denies this. He's like, it has nothing to do with the Panthers, none of this stuff. But if you're CEO of Tepper Sports of Entertainment, who took that title, that newly created position in February, is already outy by May 4th. <laughs> yeah. You've got, an, you've got an issue. If you have halfway completed, if you're a, a multi-billionaire and you've got a halfway completed state-of-the-art practice facility and headquarters for your team in another town, and it's sitting dead in the water, and it's now a truck stop, I, <laughs> you're you've got problems, and I just think that kind of stuff trickles down. And you can look at the high school programs around here, who are always winners or average, you know, average to winners. East Forsyth, West Forsyth, Glenn, people who we're friends with, Grimsley. What do these guys all have in t- common? They have strong administrations. Yeah, and it's top down. That stuff trickles down. It does. I mean, that stuff. It matters. Like the it, the Cowboys are always in chaos because their owner is always in chaos. Like it's not it's not really debatable. Like you don't like the Browns constantly seem to have something going on because 
their front office is not the best. Like, but the teams like you don't ever hear anything out of New England's front office. Never. You don't ever you don't hear anything out of the Bucks front office. Um, but you did have that uh, Bob Crafts um, one failure in discretion. <laughs> we oh, okay, a rich white guy spent yeah. some money. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> rich man's folly, and we probably better take a break here. We're coming up next. We're going to be joined by Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated. Talk a little Duke hoops. I wonder if we can get him to talk a little bit about NIL. And I've actually got a game for him that I didn't tell him about. Oh, I don't even know about this. This be no, good. No, you don't know anything about this. When we come <laughs> back, franchise players. You got a franchise player. Editor of Devils Illustrated, amongst other things, Connor O'Neill. How are you, partner? I'm good. Uh, as we were just talking about, I'm I'm trying to survive the pollen infestation here and uh, go like 15 minutes without sneezing. Yeah, it's it's hit everybody in my family pretty hard too. So prayers up for uh, anybody having to work outside today. Uh, you had. You've had a lot to cover as of late <laughs> in Duke land. And John Shire and his full staff had their first real media opportunity a few days ago. What did you learn from that media opportunity that you didn't particularly already know? Um, I don't I don't know if this falls completely under the realm of you we didn't already know, but it was more confirmation that there exists a strong possibility that Trevor Keels is back for Duke next season. Um, you know, we got all five of the NBA draft declarations in like a six day window. Um, and Jeremy, Jeremy Roach's announcement that he was going to come back for his third season at Duke was, was mixed in there as well. But all five of the, of the entrance announcements, uh, they all were worded the same way with, We'll declare for the draft. We'll hire an agent. Um, Trevor Keels is different, though. Like Trevor Keels uh, is kind of the one that's out there and is not right now a projected first-round pick. And there's a huge difference in being a first-round and second-round pick in the NBA. Those first-round picks are signed to four-year contracts with the first two years guaranteed, and they're going to make over $10 million. Um, second round picks, you see a couple of them get signed to deals between four and six million. Uh, most of them get two way deals, uh, and get sent to the G League. So, if he's not going to be a first round pick, and it seems like he, if, if the draft was tomorrow, he's not going, he wouldn't be. Um, it kind of stands to reason that Trevor Keels would be back. And, you know, this is where we point out because um, I think it's I think it's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle of of COVID for the past couple of years. 
you can hire an agent and still be eligible to return to college. Like that, that is, it's not a, it's not a death knell for your college prospects. When you hire an agent anymore, you can hire an agent. They just have to be certified by the NBA players association. So as long as you've got that, um, and you pull out of the draft pool by June 1st, I think it's June 1st at midnight, uh, then you can return to school. How, how big with, I mean, obviously huge recruiting class coming in, uh, number one recruiting class in the country, they bring Jeremy Roach back. If Trevor Keels were to come back, how, how huge would that be for Shire and, and Duke? Well, number, I mean, it gives you a starting backcourt with some experience. Now, it's not experience to the level of, of some other teams that you'll see in the ACC and, and in the NCAA tournament down the road. I mean, Jeremy Roach is a would be a, will be a junior, and Trevor Keels would be a sophomore. Um, but that's a lot more experience than than what it looks like right now. Uh, you know, Trevor had a little bit of an inconsistent season. Uh, he shot a low percentage on threes for for a guard uh, who shot as many as he did. He was around thirty one or thirty two percent. NBA teams, if you're gonna if you're gonna be a three and D guy, kind of like he projects to be, you need to shoot better than thirty one percent in college. Um, he would he would solve their issue with two right now, and that's really the only hole on the roster as you as you look at it. I mean, you've got you've got Roach, so you've got your point guard that you're going to play for the majority of the game. Um, Derek Whitehead probably starts at the three. Uh, he's our number one uh, overall player on the rivals rankings. You've got Kyle Filipowski at the four and Derek Lively at the five. Those are both top five players for rivals uh, player rankings right now. And you're bringing in Mark Mitchell, who's a forward. You're bringing in Jaden shoot who, you know, maybe could start at the two if Keels isn't back, but, but that might be a tall ask. And that's also giving you four freshman starters in your lineup. I don't know if that's a route that John Shire wants to take in his first season. Um, so, Trevor would really lock down uh, an area that really, like I said, the only hole on the roster would be that that two guard spot. I, I feel like, you know, with Shire bringing in a number one recruiting class, perhaps the second most important thing that he's done is reach into Big Blue Nation and poach an assistant coach. And I think yeah. that's not getting the, the, the credit it deserves. I think that's a solid staff now. And we had the opportunity to talk to to Jay uh, and the other assistant coaches also on, on Tuesday afternoon. And it was, you know, it was rich initially reported that Shire had made kind of an initial contact or initial overture to Jay uh, a couple weeks ago and talks didn't go anywhere. Like, you know, the, the only takeaway from that was, Okay, you know Jay Lucas is going to stay at Kentucky. He's comfortable there. He's been there a couple years. Um, he got him Shaden Sharp, so you know maybe he's going to stay there. And Shaden Sharp is going to leave the draft and and come back to Kentucky, like the plan was initially reported to be. And the the main takeaway there from Duke's side of things was, okay, John Shire didn't get this guy that he wanted, but he's willing to reach outside of the family. Like he's not going to adhere to seemingly the the strict uh coach k 
policy that every Duke assistant coach had to be a former player. And, and for the most part, in the last decade or so, they've all been former captains. And then we kind of get the bombshell of like, oh, it did work out with Jay Lucas. Like he's coming on, he's coming aboard. Uh, this is this is a this is a recruiting recruiting coup along the same lines as like getting a Derek Lively when he was seen as a Kentucky lean uh, leading up for the for the last couple weeks of his recruitment. Um, yeah, I, I maintained all along. I didn't know that they necessarily needed a a dynamite recruiter like John Shire has proven that he's able to recruit pretty well. Um, you know, they, they've got the number one class coming in. They've also got six guys or, or five guys. I, I can't remember the exact number, but they've already done most of their work on the 23 class uh, with three guards coming in uh, two five-star point guards with Caleb Foster and Tyrese Proctor. So, they're they're pretty set at the recruiting position. I maintained that they needed somebody to come in and coach guards. Like you've got you've got Chris Carrowell and Emil Jefferson on staff. Both of them coach your big guys. You need somebody other than Shire to coach your guards because the head coach, yeah, it, it's good that he's going to have a say in in what the guards do and he's going to be hands on with guards. But you also don't want your head coach to to have to be that hands-on guy and the only guy on the staff who coaches guards. Uh, he's got to be more of a CEO. So that's where I felt like they needed to go. Being able to get a guy who can coach guards and also is a dynamite recruiter is just kind of, you know, that's that's the home run hire that, that it's been lauded as. Well, I wanted to go, I want to switch gears a little bit, Connor. And um, as you well know, Wednesday was May the 4th, <laughs> and um, it being Friday, we're going to call, we're, you're going to play a little game that I didn't tell Ryan about, that I didn't tell you about, because that's the way I like to do things. But we're going to call this franchise player Star Wars Revenge of the Sixth, and I know this is an important topic for you, all right? All right. So I want you, your first task, I need you to rank the Star Wars movies not the spinoffs, but rank rank the chapters for me, and we'll tell you whether you're right or not. It's important not to include the spinoffs, right? Because, yes. I mean, we, we all know which one would be at least top three. Not the, not the Han Solo one. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I actually had that on earlier today. I, I, find that, I find that to be an enjoyable movie. Like... It's it's not a work of art, and it was never going to be as good as Rogue One. But I don't know why that movie gets hated on. It it's a decent movie. I, I think it's because it's it's not um, what's a Harrison Ford. I'll I'll be honest. I haven't seen that one. Like, but, yeah, but we're saying Rogue, Rogue One is the hands down number one. I've seen. I mean, yeah, Rogue One. Yeah, no no question. Rogue One is a is a work. Of, it's a masterpiece. Let's be honest there. Let's let's put all our cards on the table here. But the the important question is rank the chapters. I'm getting them down. I'm I'm writing on my little notepad here. See, this is why we have Connor. <laughs> not, not only is he an expert in college hoops, but I know what's important to him. It's this, this and the Baltimore Orioles. 
<laughs> well, well, at least he's got this. Yes. <laughs> hey, hey, now I've I've got the uh, the Norfolk Tides, the Bowie Bay Sox, and the Aberdeen Ironbirds to keep me busy. That that's a, those teams matter as much right now to that organization as the Major League Baseball. Man, you were delving into that. <laughs> All right, you want me to go top to bottom or bottom to top? Top to bottom. Top to bottom. I'm going episode five. Okay, that's Empire. That's Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, okay. Yep. Uh, next, I'm going Force Awakens. Mm. I don't care that they repeated a lot of the same plot from my next pick, uh, episode four. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I've, I've I've got love for episode episode seven. So I've gone five, seven, four. Um, then I'm going Revenge of the Sith. Then Return of the Jedi. See, he's already won this question. He's gotten this question right, Ryan, just because of where he's ranking Return of the Jedi. I think Return of the Jedi is wrong, but okay. Well, that's uh, then I'm going Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace? Pod racing, man. I, I love pod racing. And how can you not love Duel of the Fates? I mean, I'll allow it. I, I wasn't real, and it may have been the actor, um, the dude playing young Anakin. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's corny and cheesy, and the acting is not great. But what Star Wars movie do you actually watch and take real gauge of the acting? Uh, that's very, very true. Very. I true. mean, the first three are pretty, or the like original first three. Yeah, they're. Yeah. They're, they were, they, they are decently acted. They were blowing away teddy bears in episode six, so you know I'm not, I'm not real. You Maybe know what? That's part of the movie. You know, I, I think Connor has, has gotten this right. Um, we'll disagree on Phantom Menace, but that's a personal preference type of thing. Here's a, here's a more hard hitting question, Connor. Who's the better villain, Palpatine, Vader, or Kylo Ren? You don't you don't want to go my last three here. You want okay, me to go ahead? Put them in air. Put them in order. I just I want to be able, I want to be able to talk about the last two on this ranking. Okay, I, I understand. Go ahead. Right, right behind Phantom Menace is Attack of the Clones, and it it's painful to have that episode two, not as a bottom two, but episode eight and episode nine were the biggest trash heaps of movies I've ever seen. Um, I refuse to watch. Episode eight, um, you know, I saw it in theaters the same weekend it came out. I refused to watch it for a good like year to year and a half. And the first time I actually watched it was staying in an Airbnb in Charlotte for the 2019 ACC tournament with Andrew Dye and Brant Wilkerson New. Oh my god! And it happened to it happened to be on and like. Andrew was well aware of my preference not to watch, not to rewatch the movie. And he's like, all right, are you, are you okay with this? And I was like, yeah, go ahead, put it on. And for a good 45 minutes to an hour, all I did was scream at the TV. I just screamed everything because it was such a bad movie. Was it, and, was your Twitter meltdown about it on the day that you first saw it? 
I you were not pleased. I don't know. I've had so many Twitter meltdowns, JP. You know. I know. <laughs> I, I, I tell you what. Let's let's take a quick break because we're not done with this. This has turned out to be very fascinating stuff, and I want to know these the answers to these next two questions. We'll come back in a second with more Connor here on franchise players. You got a franchise player. Franchise players. All right, Connor, are you ready for for question number two? I'm ready. Let's do it. Better villain, Emperor Palpatine, Lord Vader, or Kylo Ren? It's got to be Vader, right? Like Vader was just so menacing. I mean, I know he he has a turn toward the light at the very end of uh, six, but you know. He's going around episode five, just choking out his own captains and lieutenants, and you you never know what to make. Like you, I I've tried so many times to go back and put myself in a frame of mind where I don't know that Vader is is Luke and Leia's father, and just try to imagine and try to rewatch five. You know, I pretty much it's got that hunt for red October status as if it's on TV, I will put it on and watch it no matter what else I have going on, no matter what I'm doing. Agreed. Uh, so I just try to go back and erase the 250 previous times you've watched it and put yourself like, all right, I don't know that this guy, I don't know that the big reveal is coming at the end. What do I think of this? And just, man, it's, it's awesome. It's a great feeling. I, I, I would rank. I, I would if I were, if we were ranking it. I would also go with Vader, Palpatine. Actually, I might go Vader, Kylo Ren to Pal, Palpatine. So because while I appreciate Palpatine's ability to shoot stuff out of his hands, like mostly Vader did his dirty work, right? Yeah. So I mean, and, Ryan, do you agree with that? I I gotta be honest. Off the top of my head and in my mind, I can't even picture what Lord Palpatine looks like. So I'd have to, yeah, I would go Vader, Kylo Ren, Lord Palpatine. Okay, I mean, I've, I've hate watched Episode Nine enough times that uh, I can picture him on whatever weird planet they created just for that movie, where apparently he was cloning himself and everything else, and. Yeah, it's easy to picture him, and it just makes my blood boil a little bit. Yeah, that's. I just had a physical reaction when you mentioned that cloning stuff. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> that's not good. Um, I really want to ask how you ended up in an Airbnb with Andrew and Bob. We will save that. Uh, we will save that because I know what ACC spring break is. Okay, this is more of an educational question for our listener base, Connor. But it's an important question nonetheless. Who shot first? Han. Ryan. I mean, uh, yeah, probably Han. Wait a minute. Do you know what we're talking about, Ryan? I know. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. But when were you born? Like 2004? <laughs> no, 1988. Okay. Golly. Yeah. Okay. 
was the what was the reasoning that George Lucas gave for switching that around? Ooh, that I don't know. Because the reason I ask is because I watched, I went on that uh, Disney Plus or whatever it is, and watched episode four a week ago, and I was like, why, why? Like all the CGI effects from the Tauntauns or whatever else was out there, whatever animals they put in there, and then they put feet on Jabba. I mean, there's just so much wrong with what they did in advance of that DVD release. I think that's what it was. Well, the <laughs> it's it's comical how how much he screwed up his own creation with some of the some of the special effects. Like he's got. I know this because I collected the the trading cards back in like the nineties. Um, they're called dubacks, the like big green lizard looking creatures on Tatooine that the that the stormtroopers are riding are dubacks. Okay. And he's got those guys like moving in front of actual stuff that you need to see in episode four. It's just like Yeah. Now this I I haven't seen this. This yeah, don't don't. I mean, it, it, my recommendation like don't watch it. <laughs> it also comes with one. I think it's episode four, and I saw this on a on a social media post just this morning. I, the episode four, I think, now comes with a tobacco use warning, and I'm like, wait a second, Tatooine doesn't have tobacco or plant like substances. They that is they farm moisture. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have noticed it on like Netflix and stuff where they have like the for other stuff not just like Star Wars but like where they have like the you know what all is in the episode like language whatever else they'll put smoking up in the in that's a warning. Now. Yeah, I don't I don't like it. And I tell you what, I, while we've got Connor here, I'm going to see if Connor agrees with some of this because he is such a, a basketball icon in this region of our fair state, all over this fair state. What are your, I know you've got some stone cold locks for this week, Ryan. What are they? Um, well, the, the lines for, uh, for tonight's game have been like interesting. Cause like, I still don't seem to know if, as we're recording this, still don't need to seem to know if Embiid is playing tonight. Um, and then I think like, yeah, the Suns and Mavericks line is somehow even, uh, I, I, Take the Suns there. Um, I can't believe it's even. And then, like, you go to Saturday night, the lines are, you know, Celtics and Bucks. Bucks are a three-point favorite. I would take the Bucks to bounce back in that game, first game at home. Um, and then Grizzlies-Warriors. The Warriors are actually a six-and-a-half-point favorite, and that's too much to me. Like, I, I would take the Grizzlies plus six-and-a-half in that spot. Like, I, I don't think. Like John, John Company. I mean, I know they got they got handled. I think in one game in Minnesota, but I think that was maybe just early early jitters, first time on the road. I think for the most part they rose to the occasion in these playoffs. So I would take the Grizzlies plus six and a half there. Those aren't bad. What are your NBA? What's your NBA playoffs record so far? After last night, it's thirty nine and twenty four. That's that's not too bad. That's, that's not too bad. Over over sixty percent. Connor, what are, what are you? Have you watched any of these playoffs? I know you've been busy on the college scene, but uh, what have you seen so far? If you've watched any that that has interested you, 
I've been, I've, I've kind of the, a lot of the first round I ignored just because I was kind of basketballed out <laughs> covering, covering Duke and wake and going up through the final four, but I've gotten back into it. I started watching the, the Grizzlies Timberwolves uh, series and that kind of pulled me back in. Cause man, I, I'll tell you, um, if you had, if you asked me if I would start a franchise with Anthony Anthony Edwards or John Morant, I think my head would explode from indecision. Uh, I I agree with what Ryan's saying about that line on the on the Grizz Warriors game, like six and a half, and and without Gary Payton the second, like what are the Warriors going to do to slow down John Morant if they can do anything? I, I don't. <laughs> yeah. there's nothing they can do because uh, Steph ain't guarding him. Uh, Clay has lost a step from all his injuries, unfortunately. He's still a great shooter, but he ain't the defender he used to be. Um, I Draymond can't stay with him. Um, they don't. They don't have anybody that can guard him. Like, yeah, you're, it, not put, you're not putting Jordan Poole on him. You're not. I mean, yeah. I don't know if Jonathan Kaminga is going to be the the magic formula there. Uh. I mean, he's got wow. the athleticism to stay with him, but I don't know if he's got the discipline to guard him. Right, right. Uh, like, like John Morant, his ascension this season. Like, I, I have a problem with him with him winning Most Improved because he was already a top twenty-five player in the league to me last year. Um, but, I, I, but his improvement is noticeable at the same time. Like, he is a top five player in the league to me today. And he probably, I think he should have been the MVP. Like, we got way too wrapped up in this whole Embiid and Jokic thing for guys that, honestly, like, the Sixers without Embiid are probably still a playoff team with Harden. And Jokic is very important to his team, but at the same time, they got bounced easily in the first round of the playoffs by the team that John Moran is giving fits to. Like, he is the MVP. <laughs> like, he is the definition. Like, what he has done for that franchise since he got there, like, that is MVP caliber stuff to me. All right. In the time we have left, Connor, you, I don't know if – I can't remember whether you've joined us for this or not, but we like to end our shows with not just Gatorade showers, but we also dish out some Haterade to those who deserve it. <laughs> and if you don't mind – uh, partner, I, I would like to start with some hate. Is that okay? Of course. Boston Bruins. <laughs> Boston Bruins and your local sports media. Ooh. Ooh. I want you to think of D-Generation X. <laughs> and we got two words for you. You figure it out. You guys are the dirtiest goons in the NHL until the Tampa Bay Lightning comes to town. You are the you are the hockey St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, whiny little babies. Oh, I am so sorry that our eight million dollar man legally checked your dude so hard that his stick exploded, and all that was left was a toothpick in his two slimy hands. Two to nothing. I don't care what happens from now on, but I did enjoy watching you get handled in game two. Have this haterade and then have a little bit more. <laughs> I, I think 
I'm good now, Brian. What do you okay. have for us? Okay, get that out your system. Yeah. I'm, I'm going like, to give, a, I'm give a Gatorade shower, actually, this week. You've been too happy, but go ahead. I, I, the Carolina Cobras. Oh, like, 2-0 and start. We had a blast broadcasting that game Saturday night. They're a ton of fun. If you haven't come out to see them play, it's worth the uh, worth the time. Uh, in person, arena games are are very exciting and very fun to watch. And we had Petey. And we had Petey Pablo on with us. Can't can't hate on that. Connor, would you like to partake in some Gatorade or Haterade? I well, I am by nature a miserable person, so I would like to do the Haterade. <laughs> please, this. please. I would like to throw some Haterade. Uh, I don't think the statute of limitations will ever run out on this, so I would like to throw some Haterade at J.J. Abrams, bringing it back to the middle <laughs> part of the conversation <laughs> for what yeah. he did with Episode Nine, and that allows me to wrap up that I have Episode Nine as the worst Star Wars movie ever. Um, it's an abomination of a movie. I... I am, the hate flow through you. <laughs> oh, it's flowing. <laughs> uh, it's making me powerful. You have, ruined his, you have ruined his day, JP, by bringing this movie to his mind. I'm going to watch it. I, I hate when people say that we should, you know, press the reset button, like the, the Game of Thrones talk about, you know, we should just go back and ignore seasons seven and eight and just remake them and actually give... Uh, give them to new writers and wait until George R. R. Martin has actually provided the source material. Like that doesn't jive. The movie's got made. It's done. But I'm in favor of remaking episodes eight and nine uh, by somebody else, not named, not e- not even named J.J. Abrams. Just don't even give it to somebody named J.J. Like that name is ruined to me <laughs> because of that. J.J. Reddick presents. See that's and and that's where I get into trouble because like you know we can we can wrap that up with JJ Reddick I I loathed loathed that guy in the all four years he was at Duke and just you can't just extinguish it when he goes to the NBA so a lot of the time he was in the NBA and now it's like oh JJ Reddick said something halfway interesting I'm paying attention like I'm dropping everything and listening to everything he says so. Yeah, I guess I guess that name I'm okay with uh, some guys, but J.J. Abrams, I mean, just. I love the fact that we can call Connor on a sports talk show and then have him give us 10 minutes on Star Wars. It's it's beautiful. I, 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 I'm going to give one more Gatorade shower that he kind of put in my mind there. Oh, no. J.J. Reddick is the best damn analyst at ESPN right now. Yeah. Like, it's not even close. Like he's, a, he's appointment listening right now. He yeah. is out, he is outstanding, and almost everything he says is correct. <laughs> like it's it's unreal. Like he and he, like he's got Carolina fans that I know on Twitter sharing his stuff, and that is unreal for how much they hated that guy when he was at Duke. It's it's turned a legion of you know people who are. I think Ryan, we're we're about the same age. I was born in yeah. '89. Yeah. Um, it's turned our generation into that meme of the the worst person you know just made a great point. Except he's no longer the worst person we know because he's, he's he definitely not. many of them that like <laughs> just expected it. 
it now. <laughs> First of all, I didn't hate J.J. Roddick. I, lo- I was a big fan of J.J. Roddick when he was at Duke. Yeah, that's and not I, a surprise, right? Not there. even a Duke fan, but I've got his autographed jersey in my parents' house. <laughs> like, I, I'm fully I mean, he's one of the best basketball. He's one of the best guy basketball players ever. And by my parents' house, Ryan means above his bed right now. Yeah, get out of here. I don't know. At, uh, we are desperately out of time. Thanks so much for joining us, Connor. Thanks so much for being here and playing with us, man. We like to keep it different here, and we certainly love having you on. We didn't even get a chance to talk about the roster turnover at, at Wake, so maybe in a couple of weeks you can come on again. Sure, they'll probably have a, another pickup by then. All right, that sounds good. There's a lot going on in sports locally. Don't forget we have Cobra's NAL action tomorrow night versus Jacksonville at 7 o'clock. And then all next week, the state playoffs begin in baseball and softball. So pay attention to on our social media, at Tobacco, at Tobacco Radio on Twitter. For our producer, Desmond Johnson, my partner, Ryan Stone, our guest, Connor O'Neill, this is JP Monday. Hoping you have a great weekend. We'll see you next Friday on the Franchise Players. <laughs>